Real quickly, got a special treat for you tonight, but real quickly, I want you to take it with me and turn to 1 Chronicles chapter number 16. 1 Chronicles chapter number 16, and, uh, and I want to give you a little refresher of where we're going to be Sunday. And uh, how many of y'all are enjoying the series so far on Sunday? How many of y'all felt a lot of God this past Sunday? Wasn't that a great service? Well, it's, listen, it's just going to get better and better and better. Uh, we, we finalized some things for Easter uh, this morning in staff meeting, and uh, it's going to be the most different one we've ever done, and it's going to include the most people that we've ever included uh, to make it happen. Uh, I, I, I want you to repeat this after me. I am needed. I'm needed. No, no, really, we're feeling. I am needed, needed. to make this happen. All right, just keep that in mind. I am needed to make this happen. It's not just going to be the ones on the platform. It's not just going to be the ones serving out in the parking lot. Everybody is needed to make what we're going to try to do this Easter take place. And it's going to be awesome. I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome. Church, say amen. amen. All right, First Chronicles chapter number 16 in, in verse number 7. Most of you know, you remember... Uh, we've been studying, we've been reading, and 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 uh, prepping on the 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 subject of worship. Uh, there was probably no greater worship leader than King David. Uh, he was a man after God's own heart. If you want to learn how to worship, it's the best way to do it's from somebody after God's own heart. Amen. And so, with that being said, we see in First Chronicles sixteen, verse number seven. Then on that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. All right, read it with me. Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Verse 9, sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works. Verse 10, glory ye in his holy name, let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Verse 11, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Verse 12, remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Let's read verse, uh, verse 10 again. Verse 10, glory ye in his holy name. Read that part again. Glory ye in his holy name. Glory ye in his holy name. That's what we're going to preach on this coming Sunday. Glory ye in his holy name. God will, he will share his home. He will share his love. He will share his provision. He will even share his son. But there's one thing he will not share, and that is his glory. How many of y'all know that everything we do is to be to the glory of God? Whether you eat or drink to the glory of God, your behavior, your actions, your words, your, your, your dress, everything should be to the glory of God. And all God's people see it. So keep, how many of y'all help me pray about Sunday? Pray, pray hard that God will uh, give us what we stand in need of. We're going to pray. We're going to pray and I'm going to introduce somebody to you uh, that is a delight, a blessing to me and uh, a friend of mine. So let's, let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege and the honor it is to be in your house tonight. Thank you for the rain. Uh, sometimes we think we get too much of it, but knowing that you're in charge, you're smarter than we are. And I pray that you'll continue to do whatever you need to do. Lord, there is a pile of teenagers down in that building down there. And they've invited their friends and they've, they've invited uh, uh, all their acquaintances and it, that, that, that building is packed. And I pray, if it be your will, Lord, that you'll see fit to save a bunch of them tonight. Lord, this may be the only time they get an opportunity to hear the gospel. And I pray that you'll move in, in, in that group. Touch them with your anointing. I pray for all the kids that's up here in this other part of the building. Lord, be with all those younger kids. Lord, just touch them and bless them. Be with the volunteers. Be with the workers. Uh, Lord, give them what they stand in need of. And Lord, we'll thank you for it and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you may be seated. I have the opportunity uh, and the privilege to go to Victory Baptist College in North Augusta, South Carolina. Uh, when, when I, when I graduated high school, I went right away and, uh, I was youngin', uh, a baby and, 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 and just 
just all kind of stuff I don't want to mention. But anyway, got up there, and, uh, and I had the opportunity to meet some great people. And the one I want to introduce you tonight is one of them. Uh, matter of fact, his son, Brother Larry Hoyle's son, is named uh, Wally. He was the very first person I met when I got to college. Now, I don't even know if you know some of this, but uh, Wally helped me get my very first job uh, when, when I got to college, and, and, and I, I, I was there one week. I was there one week, didn't, hadn't found a job yet, and uh, I would go to the Waffle House and act like I was reading the paper because I was so shy and, and, and nervous and homesick and uh, scared to death, and it was fighting everything I could to, 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 to go back home because it was cold, and I'm from South Florida, and there's no way it's God's will for a South Florida cracker to be up there and hit 20 degrees. Say amen. <laughs> and man, I'm telling you, I was lonely as I could ever been in my life. And, uh, and, uh, boy, Wally befriended me and helped me get a job. And we worked together for a long time and, and became really good friends. And then, uh, Wally's dad came to, uh, Bible college and, and, and he can tell you all that story and, and, and do his thing. Well, y'all helped me tonight. And matter of fact, too, I don't know if you remember this, but the very first time I ever got to taste elk was at your house. One, one, one night you was cooking and we all went over there. How many of y'all have ever had elk? Anybody had elk? All right, all right. Well, that was, a, that was a first for me, and it was a blessing. Amen. Well, y'all help me give an old-fashioned Temple Baptist welcome to Brother Larry Hole, missionary to Montana. All right? All right. All right. They got you wired. Thank you, preacher. I'm wired. If you'll just all turn right. me on, praise God. On. Now, Brother Malcolm didn't tell you all the stories. Matter of fact, I know a few that I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, he showed up, amen. Uh, well, he and my son were there. That's right. They were both about the same height, about the same size. Wally's hair is still dark. Malcolm's has turned gray. Silver a little bit. That's okay. But when he come tooling in from South Florida, guess what he was driving? A red Camaro. Mm. The girls at Victory, mm, they, I think they were, well, matter of fact, you caught one of them up there, did Miss Tammy, that's right. My son caught one up there, too. Well, after he got married, a red, a red Camaro wasn't exactly the most important thing. So instead of driving a Camaro, when he finished, you know what he was driving? He was driving a vet. A Chevette. Amen. Were you not? That's right. A four-door Chevette. Amen. We were fortunate to go to Victory Baptist College there with Dr. Larry Brown. He is a crazy wild one. That's where Malcolm gets some of this stuff, I'm sure. And, and it rubbed off on me a little bit. Now, we'll never be a Brother Brown. Don't get me wrong with that. But it was a good time we were there. There were three older preachers there, a guy named Red William. His hair was no longer red. It was sandy, but he was standing up and saying, that's my preacher. Remember that? Had a guy named Melvin Miniter, weighed about 135 pounds and had a stroke, and he had leather lungs. If you sit near him, he would, oh, and raising that and walk and, and pray and talk and holler. And I think that's why I'm losing my hearing now. I don't know. And then we had another old preacher whose name was Ray Fowler. Ray Fowler had a church over in Bel Air and had Bel Air Baptist, and on the name of the site said, where God is, amen. He wasn't, and it was, wherever it was. And if you ever sat beside Ray Fowler, the, the preacher boys would all get up in the choir behind preacher Brother Brown, and we'd egg him on, we'd like a saying, sick him to a dog. And, uh, and if you ever sat beside Ray Fowler, you could tell how good the preaching was by how many bruises. This guy was hitting you and baking, and, and you, I'm telling the truth, it was a good time to be there. We changed from one, uh, one sanctuary to another, and the ceiling was about this high. One of those tiles on the ceiling had a black mark on it. Do you remember seeing that? Did they ever tell you about that? You know how it got there? Preacher Brown gave an illustration and kicked his loafer off, and it left a black mark on the ceiling that way. So, uh, we're just a, I'm just a little bit more reserved than that. Not a whole lot. Anyway, God's been good to me. My wife, Nellie. Stand up, Nellie. So, so she smiles better than anybody. Yeah, she's got... Be married 50 years this August the 10th, and it's been good, and it gets better. And I thank the Lord for my helpmate. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be able to stay out in Montana. We couldn't do the job we have to do. Now, let me tell you about me. Brother Larry is saved. I'm on my way to heaven. My name is written on the Lamb's Book of Life. It happened in the third Wednesday night in May 1983. I got saved two weeks after I got ordained a deacon. Now, that don't sound right, does it? Uh, it's supposed to be... 
but God convicted me that I was lost during my ordination service, and I got saved. And I think the reason it did, a sin was before me that I had committed, and I had, uh, had allowed to be committed, and it ate on me like David. David, my sin was ever before me, his sin of uh, adultery with Bathsheba, ever before me, and he had to get it right. Well, I had to get it right and got saved then. Praise God for that. Amen. Uh, I know I'm on my way to heaven, and I just and let me ask say anybody here. You may be a good church member. If there's any doubt in your heart, if you're harboring sin in your heart and, and, and repetitive sin, you need to check. See if you need to get saved. It'd be terrible to die and go to hell and not and not know Jesus Christ as your Savior and hear the good gospel. And I know you hear the gospel. I know the kids are here. I know the teenagers are hearing the gospel and uh, and and die and go to hell in a place like this. Don't let that happen. And I pray that you won't. Uh, we've been in uh, Montana for 23 years. Uh, started we started a church called Lighthouse Baptist in uh, Lewistown, Montana. And then we turned it over to a guy who came in from um, Indiana, still going good, uh, still saving, seeing people saved, still preaching the gospel. And then we also, there was a Lester Roloff. Anybody ever heard of him? His boys' home came through the Anchor Academy. So we moved to Haver with them and helped them get uh, a church started. And it's still going too. They had to move on into to Missouri. But we've had some good things to happen, but uh, that's all God. Now, any of the bad things that happen, that's me. I take credit for it. You know, I'm a sinner at best, but I'm a saved sinner, and I praise God for that. Uh, God has put in our laps a tent. We've actually wore one tent out. We have a tent that's 30 by 50. And the major part of our ministry right now is that we go around and help other churches, help other preachers who are getting churches established. There are no big independent churches in Montana, none. I don't know of a single one that even raise, that, that, that has over 100 on every Sunday. So we got a lot of little ones, and we try to help them out all we can. We take the tent from place to place uh, as God allows us to, and uh, we sometimes we'll sing crazy songs like these kids are singing up here. They wouldn't let me. I told I told Brother Josh that I had some had a crazy song I'd sing. Yeah, uh, that preacher, did preacher Brown never let me sing. No, didn't even think about it that way. But now when I get up on the pulpit, I can sing if I want to, unless they want to cut mic. You're not going to cut the mic off, are you? All right, because we'll sing. I take a song that everybody knows, like La Cucaracha. You know that song? What they're singing about? That's a cockroach. Uh, but you can't sing that at a Bible school. Well, I sing. We sing it like this. Jesus, my Savior, Jesus, my Savior, I am so glad that you love me. Jesus, my Savior, Jesus, my Savior, I am so glad you made me free. Jesus, my Savior, Jesus, my Savior, I love you with all my heart. Jesus, my Savior, Jesus, my Savior, you gave my life a brand new start. Now, one time as a guy, he wasn't a pastor, but he said, because we sing like songs like uh, uh, the uh, old gracious, the hokey pokey, but we don't sing the hokey pokey. We sing the Holy Spirit. Put your dirty mind in, take your clean mind out. Put your dirty mind in and you turn it inside out. You let the Holy Spirit in and turn your life around. Now, I believe you guys are going to make it now. So he said, your songs aren't real sacred. So... While he was there the next day, all the 10, 11, 12-year-old kids said, okay, kids, we're going to sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. The kid's looking at me like I was crazy. You know, the guy turned around and walked, and we sang, I love Jesus better than ice cream, and ice cream's mighty good. I love Jesus better than ice cream, and ice cream mighty well. You know what we do. We get their attention. Amen. That's what we try to do. That's what they're doing down here. That's what we do here. Get your attention so you can hear the wonderful gospel. Now, I got to thinking, I was up at uh, uh, Trinity Baptist in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, probably the second biggest church. This is the biggest church I've been in this year, I promise you that. Uh, and Brother Ralph Sexton, I got to thinking the money that was given to Nellie and I. Now, we've been there over 20, almost 23 years, and our support has never been a lot. Uh, $1,000 a month, I've had to work jobs, I do, I'm not complaining, that's just what we do, what you have to do. But if you take $1,000 a month, that's 12, in one year, that's how many thousand dollars? $12,000. In 10 years, that's how many money? $120,000. In 20 years, that's 240, 
that's a quarter of a million dollars that they have given us, the churches have sent to us to go spread the gospel. I feel so unworthy. Uh, matter of fact, they didn't give it to me all at one lump sum. I don't know what I would have done then. But praise God for what he's done. And I looked at Brother Ralph and I said, I wonder if you got your money's worth. Uh, well, I want to tell you two stories. And I got some Bible study. We're going to teach about John chapter 1, verse number 29, about behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. But before we do that, Let's talk about these two instances that we it had happened to us in, uh, uh, as we were taking the tent around. Um, we were in Haver, Montana, put the tent up, and we put it up on the, uh, at, the, uh, at the fairgrounds. And we usually have 25 to 50, sometimes 75 kids. Well, there was one little Native American Indian girl, and her name was Amel, Amelda Brocky. Uh, I remember her now because I got an article about her. But I didn't really remember her name and we didn't write her name down, but I remember she kept uh, pony beads in her braids. And, and I'm 99% sure that she came to the altar and got saved. I can't say for absolute 100, but 99% that I remember her uh, coming to the altar and getting saved. Well, when we came back the next year, uh, the preacher handed me this uh, article here. And if you can read it, you look at it, it'll say, Parents Charged in Deadly Shooting. Uh, Miss Amelda Brocky was sleeping in the back of her trailer. Her mother and daddy uh, were arguing over a pistol about, and shot. The bullet went through the wall and shot her in the bed. Uh, they never knew that they even hit her till the next morning. And she's still alive, but she died on the way to the hospital. Uh, you know what? That, <laughs> that's, that's worth $250,000 right there. What's one soul worth, amen? Uh, I can't, she'll be, Billy Graham died, and I've seen an illustration on the Facebook where there's just thousands and thousands of people welcoming him to heaven. I don't care if I got but one. If that Amelda Brock is there, I say praise God for that. Yeah. And then when I was in, first started a church in Lewistown, I did everything I could, Lewistown, Montana. I did everything I could to try to get myself in front of people, like you did, like Brother Josh talking about doing a, a visitation. And well, everything I could do. One of the things I did was I coached a little league team because I used to do that back in North Carolina. One of the things I did was that we prayed before every game. Well, one time the, the umpire came in. He was running late. And he said, okay, get, take the field, take the field, take the field. Well, before I knew it, all my guys were on the field. My picture was warming up. And the little third baseman, Josh Rohn, looked over at me and he said, Coach, we didn't pray. I said, we didn't, did we? Time up. All right, I called everybody in, took everybody off the bench. We got down between home plate and the pictures mount and prayed. <laughs> we didn't win that ball game. No. <laughs> Every call went against us, but praise God for that. Now, this is what happened. One of those boys came to my Bible school I had that year, and then about a year later, his daddy and his, be his stepdad and his mom came into church for service. And uh, they could tell his name was Cal Songer, about six foot three, uh, bow-legged. He was a rodeo cowboy. I mean, he had the big belt buckles. He did all that stuff, tough as nails. And uh, he, he came to church one Sunday. I didn't see him again for a year and a half. What it was, he got a job somewhere else on another ranch. And after a year and a half later, he comes in, and I see him come in, and I preach. And I say, okay. I says, uh, open your Bibles. We preach God's Word. When we got through, here he come to the altar the first thing. I said, Cal, I says, why did you come to the altar? He said, Larry, he says, everywhere I've been going, been working, I've been going to church. And nobody told me what you told me. Because we told him, you must be born again. He says, and I've been trying to do good, and I've been trying to live right. And he took the Lord's name in vain on the altar. He says, I've been trying to live right, but GD, I just can't do it on my own. Well, that's the way they talk. And I said, you're right, Cal, you can't do it on your own. You, you're a sinner. You have to realize you're a sinner, be willing to repent of your sin, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that God raised him from dead and called upon him, asked him to come into your heart, and he did. Now, when we baptized him in a place called East Fort Reservoir on Sunday afternoon, uh, he come up out of that water, had his blue jeans on, and his white shirt that he wore cowboy, and he come out with a and everybody on that lake uh, was looking. Uh, and the people stopped fishing. What's going on over there at the boat ramp? And this guy was getting baptized. Now, that's not the end of the story. His mother got saved. His daughter got saved. His two stepdaughters got saved. And one more person I'll tell you about. I used to visit in the jail every Thursday. And when I do, there was a man there named Larry Linegar. 
And Larry said, you know, uh, I'll come to church when I get out. This is this little thing in the jail thing. I'm here for some kind of uh, fine thing or something. He said, well, would you go by and see my wife? Her name is Elaine. He told me exactly where she lived. So I went by and seen her, and sure enough, she said she'd come to church. Well, that next Sunday, I was teaching Sunday school class from the pulpit, and here she comes in. She sits on the back row. After we get through, I walk back there to her, and I said, Elaine, I'm glad you came to church. I said, do you know anybody here? And she looked up the front. She said, that cowboy, Cal Songer. She said, I know him. She said, really? He said, yeah. He says, uh, I said, how do you know him? He said, the last time I seen him was the end of a bar fight. He had knocked out my two younger sons, my two boys. He said, I got in the middle of the fight. He was standing there with my two sons laying on the floor, and he had my shirt in his hand. He said, really? Okay, I'm going to go get Cal and see what he thinks about this. So I went and got him and walked him back up there to her. And, I, and she was standing there, and I said, Cal, do you know this lady here? She said she knows you. He looked her square in the eyeball, and he said, uh, ma'am, uh, I don't think I know you. I said, her name's Elaine Linegar. She said, my name used to be Elaine Johnson. Uh, and then it hit him. This, this cowboy, who's not, he, would, he, he wouldn't run from a grizzly bear. He got down on both of his knees, held his hand like this. He said, ma'am, he said, I'm sorry. He said, would you forgive me? I don't live that way anymore. How about Jesus Christ into my heart? Amen. I tell you what, that makes it worth all the things. And he's still, he's actually doing some lay preaching now. And, uh, and he, he called me, showed me up on, on, uh, on Facebook the other week, and he was going somewhere, had our picture. He called me his Barnabas, amen. So we just do the best we can. Now, we've been 23 years in Montana. I'm 68 years of age. Uh, I, uh, I don't know how long we're going to get to stay. Uh, we'll stay as long as we can. Paul wrote in uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 24, it says, I have finished my course with joy. Amen. I'm trying to be happy to finish my course. I don't know what my course is going to be. I'm 68, almost 69, nearly 70. All I know is two years ago, we, the preacher gave us some land and we put a, a modular house and I had to borrow some money from the bank. And when I was, when I was 66 years old, the bank gave me a 30-year loan. So they think I'm going to live to be 96. <laughs> I don't think we're going to pay for that house, amen. But uh, we've got it set up that when we get through, have to move out or die, whatever, the church is going to get it and they'll get somebody else to move. They've got to probably finish paying it off that way too, but that's all right. I hope you guys will, will pray for us. Uh, it, it will hope you'll support us. Brother Malcolm, he was pastoring a church when he was in school, that old Quonset hut over there. I can't even remember the name of the church. But he was the first person that ever let me present our work that was going to go to Montana. Now, there was a lady in that church, and her last name was Williams. Do you remember her first name? I don't remember her first name. But she supported us for at least five or six years. So I praise God for that. Everybody who's either prayed or given money, they can count their name as credit for Miss Brocky and for Cal Songer and everybody else he's touched. We want to go back, and we're planning on going back, and we'll go back, and we're going to go back to after uh, April 1st is Easter, so we'll be heading back after that. Uh, pray for us. Take one of our cards. Remember Larry and Nellie Hall? We had like 70 inches of snow so far this year in Haver, Montana. I know you don't get that like that, but that's okay. Uh, you know, we, we don't get the mosquitoes, and we get to Florida. We don't have those love bugs like you guys had down there either. I promise you that, so. Amen. It's good. I'm glad God lets people serve him. Now, God tells us to be a peculiar people, to be different from the world. And that's what we try to do, to tell people about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Open your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter number 1. I'd like to read this to you. Now, one of the things God, our, our uh, uh, preacher Brown taught Brother Malcolm and I was he said, uh, when you're going to preach a message, is tell people what you're going to tell them, and then tell them, and then tell them what you told them. So that way you might be able to remember this. So I'm going to give you my outline. If you take outlines, write this down. John chapter 1, verse number 29. The next day John seeth Jesus, this is John the Baptist, coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. It said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And I've got to put my other message up here that I was going to preach and put it back here and get this one I am going to preach this time. Behold the Lamb of God. So the behold is what I say is the first of all is the announcement. It's when Jesus shows up, we ought to be announced where he's coming. Secondly, the Lamb of God is the acknowledgement of what he is. And then thirdly, the accomplishment is what he did. I think about this. I remember uh, a preacher that came through. Did you ever hear LaVon Boatner preach? A man, he is a preacher. 
and Pritchard Brown, they both had the same message. Now, I don't know who got it first, and neither one of them claimed that they got it from the other one, but it was called That's Him. You ever heard of That's Him? Uh, talking about Jesus. For example, he gives the example when John the Baptist's head was cut off and brought in a charger up to Herod, that they took that charger off and there was his head, and they said that the head said, that's him talking about Jesus. I don't know if that's true or not. He said also that when this, they used this verse right here, it's when Jesus walked into the water and John brought him down to baptize him, said all the bullfrogs recognized him. All the, the, the uh, catfish recognized him. The catfish swam up on the edge of the bank and made a line. The bullfrogs were right behind them. The perch were lined up. The gray herons and the white herons were there. And when, they, when he come up out of the water, they all said, that's him. Now, <laughs> I can't do that. I, I, and I'll give the credit for who said it. But the fact is, it's a good illustration. God, uh, Jesus gave us a good illustration of what we should do uh, is to go through the baptismal waters. The baptismal waters will not save you. He just lets everybody know that you have been saved. And praise God for that. Let's first of all look at the announcement. Uh, do you remember, uh, Brother Malcolm, were you there when, when um, Bill Clinton came to Augusta? Yeah, we went from, with the, I was teaching in the school there, and we went down and see Bill Clinton come into Augusta. He come riding into a boat. They had all kind of a fanfare. I mean, there were flags flying. There were people singing. Uh, there were bands playing, all the things like that when the president showed up. I was painting up in Great Falls, Montana, when George W. Bush came. And when he came in, everybody was standing at attention, uh, flying flags. And when somebody important showed up, there's, a, there's an announcement. When Jesus shows up, there's really an announcement. Amen. Let's look where it's been here to begin with. In Luke chapter 2, uh, verses uh, 7 through 13, I'm sure most of you are familiar with this verse. It said they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field. And the light shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said, Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For in this day you shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel of the, of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward man. When he first showed up at his first advent. Now Jesus was here in the beginning in the creation. Uh, John, I mean, Genesis 1.26 I believe it says let us, name, let, us, let us make man in our image. He was there at creation. I promise you that. And it says behold here at his birth he showed up. There was quite an announcement. Was there not a light show? That star that nobody had ever seen before. The heavenly hosts were singing. The shepherds and everybody came praising him. Even, even when they heard, when the wise men heard about it, they were on the way. When he came the first time, there was a wonderful amount, announcement. Here's Jesus when he, he, he took on human flesh to die on Calvary's cross to pay our sin debt. I say praise God right there because there's no way we can get rid of our sin debt if it wasn't for the payment, that, the perfect payment that uh, Jesus made. And then secondly, when Jesus entered into Jerusalem on John chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel, which cometh in the name of the Lord. So when he showed up for his crucifixion, Everybody was saying, there he is. They thought he was coming really to set up a, a, a military kingdom, but he was going to set up the kingdom to come, as we know that he did. He was going to be the perfect sacrifice for us. But when he showed up, they were waving the palm fawns. They were shouting, Hosanna to the highest. When Jesus shows up, there ought to be some racket made. Amen. I like the way you guys answer, Mark. You had them, when they don't answer, you ask them again, don't you? When he shows up, there ought to be some racket made, right? I was at a church one time in Gainesville, Florida, and Mr. Willard, I can't think of his last name right now, but he actually, he, he would preach, and he had it built in his congregation. He'd say, in, God, in the love of God, wonderful. Somebody sing something about the love of God, they'd stand up and start singing. It happened three or four times. I like participation, amen. I don't mind somebody speaking up and hollering and saying an amen as we go through it that way. The announcement when he was a behold in his birth, when he entered in Jerusalem, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 18. Listen to this. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. When he comes back for the second advent, there's going to be another notification. It says the, the trump of God. Everybody in the whole world, no matter where they are, they're going to hear it. 
dead in Christ. Uh, I don't know what sound it makes when they come up out of the earth. It might be like a sonic boom. I don't know, but it'll be a wonderful thing. An announcement when he come, here he is, the, the Lord of God, the, uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one they ought to be something. Are you going to give him glory? Amen. That's what you said, preach that preacher, amen. That's what our job is, to give God glory. That's why he created us. He could have created a bunch of robots to do it, but instead he lets us human beings do this. Um, my preacher in North Carolina, back in, uh, back in Montana that I'm serving under now, Morris Sherlin, he says God really only told us to do one thing. He said what he told us to do is to give him, give him glory by t giving the gospel, telling everybody that Jesus Christ is the only way, only way to salvation, is telling the gospel. He does it five times. He does it in each of the Gospels. He also does it in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. But you shall receive power after power has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, all Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, my, my preacher and I, we sort of respectfully disagree on some things. And I tell him, preacher, that I would agree with you, but then we both would be wrong. I think God told us to do one other thing. One other time when they asked Jesus, they said, what's the most important commandment? What did he say? Love thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and love thy neighbor as thyself. Just like your little flag out front says, basically, a little, uh, little thing you had going there at the front. So, yes, that's what we ought to do. And when he shows up, matter of fact, if he lives in your heart, <laughs> people can't help but know it. Amen. Amen. He's too big not to get out of us people like us. Secondly, first of all was the announcement when he said, Behold... And secondly was the acknowledgement, what he is, the Lamb of God. Now, I like what God, God uses a lamb. On my vacation Bible school teaching this year, I've decided to teach on uh, the 23rd Psalm. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd. If the Lord's our shepherd, then what are we? Sheep. Amen. I just want to be a sheep. Bye, bye, bye. You ever sing that? Never? I just want to be a sheep. Bah, bah, bah. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep. Bah, bah, bah. I don't want to be a Sadducee. Uh -uh. I don't want to be a Sadducee because they're just sad. Can't you see? I don't want to be a Sadducee or a Pharisee or a, or a hypocrite. Praise God for that. Amen. Don't want to be that. We want to be a sheep. <laughs> when when uh, Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain, and he was going to plunge the knife into him. God was testing him to see if he would trust him. He knew that God could bring him back to life. But he got ready to plunge the knife into him. And what did he see caught in the bush behind there? A lamb, a ram. And then the, the, the scripture says God will provide what? Himself a lamb. And he did, did he not? Jesus Christ is God and he provided himself a lamb. Now, one of the things I like about the, uh, the, the Lamb of God, and you think about this, Romans chapter 3, verse number 24, it talks about how the, the, our, our, our Lamb and how the, what happens to the Lamb and what is done to give us our forgiveness of our sins. And the forgiveness is procured by the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Matter of fact, Adam and Eve, they had to take the skins to cover them, their nakedness, right? And I've never seen an elk or anything else uh, that will that'll give up its skin without shedding blood. Blood had to be shed. It was procured by the blood. Acts chapter 10 uh, and verse number um, uh, 43, the Bible says, uh, To him all the prophets witnessed that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Not only is it procured by the blood, whosoever believeth is secured by faith. Uh, you say, we can't write it down. We, can, you know, we can, can't see what God does. We just have faith to trust that he'll do what he says he'll do. And praise God that he does. It was procured by the blood. It was secured by the faith. And then it was assured by the word. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17. And he says, their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. Praise God for that, that he takes our sins and separates them as far as the east is the west. The Bible says he puts them behind his back, cast them in the deepest part of the sea, uh, seven miles deep. <laughs> That's where my sin, that sin that I, God, that was ever before me, a besetting sin that I was participating in, even though I acted like I was a Christian. <laughs> I couldn't be a Christian and do what I was doing. And then when, after I got elected a deacon, I could no longer keep that and had to get saved. But God don't remember it, amen. The world remembers it, but God don't. Amen. He wipes it away. Amen. Does anybody in here know what a rap sheet is? 
Oh, some people look. It's not time to pray. You can look up again now. Amen. A rap sheet when you break a law. Mm-hmm. And they put it on the books. Mm-hmm. And does it ever take rid of it? Does it ever get rid of it? No. You'd be 100 years old. And as a matter of fact, if you've got a DUI and you try to go to Canada and you try to, they, they, if they, it's on the list, they will not let you into Canada. Even if you've got a passport, if you've got a DUI on the books, they won't let you in. Uh, I'm glad God's not that way. Amen. He don't keep a rap sheet. Amen. He says, he says, I'll remember them no more. Now, I'd like for you to look at this, um, uh, the fact, the acknowledgement of his blood. I want you to look at, if you've got, if you've got your Bible, go to, uh, go to, uh, uh, Exodus chapter number 12. I like this thought about a lamb. Amen. Exodus chapter number 12. This is talking about when Moses went to Pharaoh and he's told him to let my people go and they wouldn't let him go. Now he gave all kind of plagues. Uh, now the frogs, I wouldn't have mind that too bad. I like frog legs. Hey, from Alabama, you probably do too. Uh, the lice, uh, the water turning to blood, the darkness and the moraine, all those things that he that uh, the the uh, plagues that Moses come in and he brought over to uh, uh, brought before Pharaoh, but he let him go. But he said, "No, I'm not going to let you go." He changed his mind, and finally there was one last plague was going to be. What was going to happen? The death angel was going to pass over, and the lo- oldest person in every family, the oldest child, was going to die. And they said, "What do you need to do? Take a lamb and kill it. Take the blood, and where are you going to put it?" Over the top and the sides of the door, so that when the death angel passes over, he won't see. He says, "When I see the blood, you know that song. When I see the blood, I will pass over you." Now, the, the example that's told is in Exodus chapter number twelve, and look what it says. It says, "And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be to you the beginning of months; it shall be the first month of the year to you." Verse number three. Speak you unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take unto them every man, what? A lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. So he started off with a lamb. That's got to be a particular lamb. It's got to be a perfect lamb, either of the ram, of the sheep, or the goats. But it's got to be perfect. Nothing can be wrong with it. A lamb. Look at verse number four. And if the household be too little for what? The lamb. If the house be too little for thee, Liam, let he go to his neighbor's next to his house, take it according to the number of souls, every man according to his eating, that shall make your account for the lamb. So it went from being a lamb, a particular lamb, to the lamb. Oh, I love this next verse. I love this next. It says, what's verse number five say? Whose lamb? Your lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from out of the sheep or the goats. It had to be sacrificed. You know, I'm sure everybody wasn't raised in a church here from, the, from pappy's all on knee when you're going to church when you're a little baby. Some of us didn't know much about other than we heard about a Jesus. You know, they talk about him on, uh, they, on the cross. You see the pictures on the cross. Uh, people wear them on their necklace. Uh, they have Easter. They talk about the, the little baby Jesus was born in, in, uh, in Christmas time. And one thing, and they talk, it's just a Jesus, a God they talk about. And then when you start getting to church, the preacher starts preaching, and he says, preacher, it's not just a Jesus, it's the Jesus, the only one. Now, there's many people claiming Jesus, there's only one. See, oh, this last verse, oh, it goes from being a Jesus to the Jesus. I'll read this verse again to you, number three, uh, number five. Your lamb (laughs) shall be without blemish. Your lamb, from a lamb to the lamb, to Larry's lamb. What's your first name? Let's say it together. From a lamb to the lamb, say your first name, Larry's lamb. You're not a Larry. One more time. It was from a lamb to the lamb of God to whose lamb? <laughs> your lamb. <laughs> and that ought to excite you there. Amen. That number one, he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. He's always going to be with you, uh, and he's going to take care of your sins. I promise you that. Now, Genesis chapter 22, when I talked about where Abraham and Isaac went up, the Lamb of God was prophesied there. They prophesied that. They said 
that there is going to be a, a lamb. God will provide himself a lamb. That was the prophecy. And then when we looked over here in Exodus chapter 12, uh, that was the typified. It said that's what is going to be his type. That's the type of Jesus is going to be that type of that perfect lamb who went from a lamb to the lamb to your lamb. Uh, January, uh, John chapter 1 verse number 29 that we talked about. Not only was he prophesied and typified, but this is where he was identified. Because what did John say? Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. So that's him right there. Like what Preacher Brown or Preacher Boatner once said, they all said, that's him. Praise God for that. And now in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, verse number 7, uh, the Bible says, and I have that over here, uh, and we all like, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb unto the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears. So he has done, so he opened not his mouth. Not only was he identified, but that's the lamb that was crucified. What we're going to talk about, I don't know what you're planning. Is it going to be a big production? You're going to have it on the cross? You're going to have singing? You're going to have marching? You're going to have soldiers dressed up? No, that's not it. Okay, I didn't figure it out. I've seen those before. That's pretty good. You're going to do something somebody's never done before? I guess, praise God. Send me a picture of it. I hope you will. I can't wait to hear what's going on. He was identified. He was crucified. Revelation chapter 5, verse number 6, the Bible says, And I beheld, and lo, the midst of the throne, and the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, capital L, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth, saying with a loud voice, not only was it crucified, but he's glorified. And that's what God wants us to do, not get to glory. Uh, it's not that the fact that Temple Baptist Church was raised, raised up to where you are now because of some person. God gets the glory. <laughs> the fact that we've lasted 23 years in Montana where it's cold, amen, no golfing, no, you can't play golf six months out of the year. I can't play now anyway. But the fact is, uh, it, it's, it's not a habitable place. You look at that snow and when you, how you're going to get out. But uh, the fact is, it's not what we did. Give God the glory, amen. And he deserves it. And that's what everything we should do to give glory uh, in everything we do or we say. And in chapter 5 of uh, Revelation, verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Not only was he prophesied, typified, identified, crucified, glorified, he's also magnified. Amen. You think Preacher Brown would be proud of that? Amen. Amen. That's what he taught us to do things like this. Give us a, a transitional sentence and, uh, and then uh, bring it those points out one at a time. I said, first of all, that, uh, that this is a good example of the announcement. The announcement was, behold. And then the acknowledgement was that he is the Lamb of God. He's our Passover. And then lastly is the accomplishment, and that's what he did. He took us away the sin of the world. We're all sinners. You know, some of the biggest me medicines that they sell are things like Prozac and Valium and things like that. People trying to get away from their sin. You can't get away from it. It's ever before you. Uh, the devil keeps on putting it there in front of you, but God can take it away. I love what 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9 says, that uh, uh, if thou wilt confess thy sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Praise God for that, uh, that that's what he did. He is the Lamb of God. I, heard, I read of an example uh, in a place called Woden, Germany. Now, in Woden, Germany, there is a statue there, and the statue is of a lamb. Now, in uh, my hometown of Shelby, North Carolina, there is a statue of a Confederate soldier, and they hadn't tore it down yet. Uh, in Stone Mountain, Georgia, they got the statues carved into the walls there. Uh, I understand that somewhere in Mississippi, when they used to have big cotton, when the boll weaver came in, they had to change from the cotton. They got a big statue of a boll weaver. They said that's because it got us away from cotton and making more money doing other things and wasn't determined on that thing coming back and forth. Well, in this place called Word in Germany, there's a statue of a little lamb. They said, well, why was that statue of a lamb there? Well, the story goes that they were building a building right adjacent to the main street, and on the third story high, uh, the, a, a worker, a workman fell, and he fell down to, surely to his death, but instead a, a shepherd was driving his sheep 
uh, through, the, through the, the, the passageway of the town. The worker fell upon a little lamb, killed the lamb, but saved his life. Hey, what did we do? Our, who killed our lamb? Hey, guess whose sins he, put, he died for on the cross? Larry's sins and your sins. And uh, I think that's a good example there. Uh, that's a good example of, a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of acknowledgement, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Now, in, in, uh, in uh, Isaiah chapter 43, verse number 25, uh, it talks about how Jesus is the divine Lamb. It says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgression for mine own sake, it says, talking about Jesus, and will not remember thy sins. I'm glad we don't have a rap sheet. Uh, Brother Larry, I'm a convicted thief. I say, I got a rap. Well, I say, well, I'll, I'll admit it. When I was uh, in the third grade, my mother worked at a cotton mill, and she, they didn't pay much money then in particular at all, and she had $1 in her pocketbook. Well, on my way to school, and this is before everybody rode a bus, guys, I actually had to walk to school and go right by the store. So I took that dollar, and as I went by the store, I bought a hundred pieces of bubble gum. I was the most popular boy in school that day. My mother was going to use that dollar to buy her Coca-Colas, and this would have been about 1958. What did, anybody know how much a Coca-Cola cost in 1958? It went from a nickel to six cents usually, but that's a nickel. So she was going to use that dollar to buy her drinks. And she got to work that day and no dollar. Uh, she come home from school and uh, Brother Larry come home from school carrying a bag full, a half a bag full of bubble gum. How long did it take her to figure out who the culprit was? <laughs> yeah, that's me. I, I admit it. Uh, that was a big, I had to take those back. And what, what reminds me so much of it is I had to take it back to the store and get her about high, I think it was 47 pieces left that way. But here it says that God's forgiveness is divine forgiveness. This is not something somebody from the courtroom does. This is from the God on high, the one who is our mediator. It was a divine forgiveness. Luke chapter 8, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter uh, 7, verse number 48 and he said unto her, this is the lady who was caught in adultery, he said, thy sins are forgiven. Not only is the forgiveness divine forgiveness, it comes from God, it's personal forgiveness. I, don't believe, I bet God won't even call me on that dollar I stole, much less anything else, amen. I was playing golf with a fellow one time, Brother Malcolm, and he was a Wesleyan. Wesleyans are what they call Armenian in belief. They're sort of like the, the, the Methodists. They believe that you can lose your salvation, can fall from grace. And he, and he told me, he said, yeah, that's like you, you Baptists, you believe once saved, always saved. And I said, yes, sir, I do. I do believe that everlasting means everlasting and eternal means ever eternal and once I'm saved. And he said, yeah, and you Baptists even believe even your future sins are forgiven. And I thought about it for a little while, Malcolm, and I said, yes, you're right. Because when that price was paid on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago, all of our sins were future, amen. I don't think he said anything else to me the rest of the day, amen. I'm glad it's personally forgiven. Mm, wiped out, never to be heard from again. Luke chapter 7, verse number 42. Uh, he, says, uh, uh, he says, and when he had nothing to pay... He frankly forgave them both when he talked about the two people who had owed a debt. Tell me, therefore, which one will love them the most. Not only was it divine forgiveness, personal forgiveness, but it's frankly forgiveness. Immediately, his name, no doubt, no questions, no work had to be done. The fact is, he forgave him of that debt. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 17, and he says, And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. And not only is it divine, personal, frank, but it's also eternal they won't bring it up again, never to be brought up again. And in 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse number 12, it talks about the fact that it's for Christ's sakes. For Christ's sake. For His sake. For, so that He can get the glory for it. We can't earn enough. We can't do enough. We can't be baptized enough to have ourselves forgiven. But I praise God what Jesus did for us. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of Larry Hoyle. Insert your name right there. Amen. Goodness gracious. That's, forgiveness is something. Now, 
the announcement was when he showed up. The accomplishment, the acknowledgement was what he was. And then the accomplishment was that he gave us forgiveness. Now, I have a little poem. Preacher Brown told us we can, if we could give him three points and a poem, we're doing pretty good. So I got a poem here, I mean, too. I didn't write it, but it's about forgiveness. And I'll be through after this, and it looks like there's about eight minutes left. I did pretty, I, sometimes I can be on schedule, so if you need to fill up these next two or three minutes and uh, jump and holler, you can take care of that. Like, all right. But listen to this poem about forgiveness. It says, far from New York in a cemetery alone, close guarding its grave stands a simple headstone. And on its graving, this one word alone, and that word is forgiven. No sculptor's fine art has embellished its form, but constantly there through the calm and the storm, it bears this one word from a poor fallen worm, and that word is forgiven. It shows not the place of the silent one's birth, reveals not the frailties nor the lies of its worth, but tells of its tale from those few feet of earth forgiven. The name is unmentioned, the date is untold, beneath lies the body corrupted and cold. Above rests the spirit at home in the foe, one word, forgiven. And when from the skies the Lord shall descend, this stranger will rise to glory of sin, well known and befriended to sing without end, one word, forgiven. I'm glad Brother Larry has been forgiven. My sins are never to be remembered no more. God gets the credit for it. It wasn't anything I've done but I'm going to keep on telling people that, anybody who will listen, preacher. Hey, thank you folks for listening. I didn't see anybody get up. And even when I sang, oh, hey. Even when I sang, they didn't run off. I, lo- I-, I love you, preacher. Love you. Amen. Church, say amen. amen. Let's stand. Let's stand. Everyone stand. I-, I was sitting over there. It's amazing how you just reminisce and you start thinking back. I started school in uh, 91. Actually, I guess beginning in 92, at the end of 91, and, uh, and I was just sitting there remembering two things in particular that, I, that, that are really strong memories of Brother Hoyle, and, and one was his sense of humor, and the second was positivity. Positive, always positive, always, no matter what. Uh, we went to night school, uh, the kind of colleges that I could afford. I, I couldn't go to the, those. Uh, we worked all day, regular job all day, and then went to school most of the night uh, throughout the week. And, and, and there'd be times that you'd be just exhausted, just tired, wore out, don't want to go whining, complaining. And, and, and he would come in, and he wouldn't allow us to whine. He wouldn't allow us to complain. He'd always have something positive. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I was irritating. <clears throat> Uh, but he stayed positive throughout everything. And, uh, man, that was an encouragement because sometimes, uh, how many of y'all know sometimes you just feel like quitting? And sometimes it is a real blessing for someone to just say, hey, it's all right. It's going to be good and have something positive to say. I tell you what, we need more positive people in this world. Amen? Amen. So y'all be praying for the holes and, and their ministry in Montana. And, uh, and they're going to, are y'all going to be back at your, at the table, brother hole? If y'all, y'all be back at the table, make sure to stop by and let them know you're praying for them and, and, uh, praying that God will touch them and help them and meet their need and all that snow. Say amen. Amen. Well, let's pray and we're going to be dismissed and, and y'all be careful in the parking lot. I don't know, uh, where the kids are going to be at in the parking lot because I know they're going to have a bonfire down there and they may be already doing that. I don't know, but just be careful. Keep your eyes open in the parking lot tonight, okay? Amen. Okay. All right. Lord, thank you so